Hey, welcome to the Impact Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you like it was to us. Let's go ahead and jump into it. I'll draw your attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, of course, in the New Testament. There's 1 Corinthians chapter 10 in the New Testament. Um, Paul was writing to the Corinthians, and he was writing to them about Israel's journey through the wilderness. Um, in verse 6 of chapter 10, it said, Now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. That was verse 6. Later on in verse 11, he said, Now these things happened to them, talking about the Israelite people, as an example, but they were written down and recorded for our instruction upon whom the end of the ages have come. So Paul was talking about the sin and the adultery of the Israelite people as they were journeying through the wilderness. And the, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, Paul said, this was recorded and this was put in writing so that we as people under the new covenant can read this and be instructed not to do evil and sin against God as those people did. Now, of course, he was talking about the Israelite people, talking about the time of the Exodus, but you can use that scripture and you can, of course, talk about the story that we're dealing with tonight. Uh, so this is Genesis chapter 6, the great flood. This is most likely um, the greatest loss, the greatest slaughter of mankind probably in history. Um, all but eight people died, and this was by the hand of the Lord. And so the Holy Spirit records this catastrophic, catastrophic event to remind us of God's tolerance of sin, which is, of course, as we know, God has no tolerance of sin. God's tolerance of sin is zero. For every sin ever committed, whether it be a little white lie or a murder or an act of adultery or an act of idolatry, every single act of sin, no matter who knows about it, who finds out about it, who talks about it, whether it makes headlines on the news or whether only one person knows about it. All sin is intolerable in the face of God and it requires atonement. So don't you go around thinking that a white lie is less innocent than a murder. In the eyes of people, yes it is, but that's how holy our God is. That's how holy our God is. Our God has an intolerance for sin. God's tolerance of sin is zero. You must know that. So anytime in this Bible there is a falling away, there is an apostasy, and God's judgment occurs, the Holy Spirit has always ensured that there's going to be a full account of what happened, what time it happened, why it happened, what the people were involved in, what they were doing, their lifestyle. And the Holy Ghost puts it in writing in Genesis chapter 6, and there's a full, there's a full account of the, of the degeneracy that the people were involved in. The Bible says that they were eating, they were sleeping, they were drinking, they were partying, they were marrying one another. And they were doing it all, ignoring God and ignoring his word. But it, of course, it reminds us of every time that they had a chance to come back to God. And in this country and in, this, 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 in the world that we're dealing with today, there is a greater falling away, I believe, today than maybe ever has been. And every person in hell, every backslider in hell, if they, if they could be honest with you, they would tell you of every time that they had to come back to God. That's one of the worst things about hell is, is, as, as, 
is what preachers preach and teachers teach. The one of the worst things about hell is while you are there for all of eternity, every opportunity that you had to come back and repent, every church service that you were in and ignored God's presence, every time a preacher got up and told you that you've got to have your sins washed and covered by the blood in order to make it to heaven, every time somebody reached out to you and said, I want you to live for Jesus, but I know you're not. I want you to come back. I'm praying for you. I'm trying to help you. Every opportunity that they've had it's replaying in their mind over and over and over and over and over again. And I want to tell you, if you, are, if, if you go down as one of those people whom the Holy Spirit used to move on, if you go down as one of those people who used to come in this place and lift up your hands and worship God in spirit and in truth, if you were one of these people that used to give God your, your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, but you backslide and you turn away from God and you end up in hell, every opportunity that you have is going to replay over and over and over and over again. And I'm not ignorant to know that there are some people in this place tonight that are on that are on their way to spiritual declension and this is not just another service that the holy ghost is going for you i believe this is the service that the holy ghost is going to finally get your attention finally going to convict your heart finally going to get a hold of you and i believe that maybe somebody maybe one maybe two maybe three maybe four are going to pray at this altar tonight and make a full turnaround repent of their sin repent of their iniquity and start heading for the cross again Every opportunity that you have will replay in your head over and over and over again. And that doesn't shake you guys, I know, because you guys are young and you guys think that eternity for you is just a long way off. And that might be your mindset, and I've dealt with that before, but let me tell you something. Jesus is coming back, and the lines are going to be drawn very, very soon. Satan doesn't want you for just a few years. Satan doesn't want you just while you're in high school. He doesn't want you just while you're in college. He doesn't want you just wow, 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 you're a young person. He wants you for eternity. That's why, that's why when we come in here, we, we take it very seriously. We're not an ordinary youth group. We don't come down here and eat pizza and eat ice cream and play games all service and then tag gets us together for a little five-minute conversation. We come down here to have church. We come down here to have the Holy Ghost move in our midst. We come down here and we preach the Word of God with 100% authenticity and 100% anointing. We be, because, I, listen, I know that while you're young, that's the majority of the time that, 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 that you, you make up your mind what in the world you're going to live for. You are setting the tone right now for the rest of your life. Don't, don't waste this opportunity that you have to make up your mind that you're going to walk the straight and narrow. You're going to walk the highway called holiness and you're going to make it to heaven one day. You're setting the tone right now while you are young. Lifelong habits are being developed right now. If you're going to develop a habit of prayer, it's going to happen now. If you're going to develop a habit of reading God's word every day, it's going to happen now. If you're going to develop a habit of weekly attending the house of God and giving God your heart and worship, it's going to happen now. If you're going to make up your mind that you're not going to hang out with the partiers and the drinkers and the revilers and the cursers, it's going to happen now. Amen. So by blessing of God, man could populate the earth. It's called the creation mandate. God said, be fruitful and multiply. And so more and more sinners began to populate. There was, there was no, hardly any preachers in that day, hardly any priests. And so men began to multiply and multiply and multiply. And as I said earlier, the, the population at that time, we don't know what it could be, but it's certainly not as, as low as you might think. 
And so the problem is, the more sinners there are, the more sin. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says in uh, Proverbs 29, 16, I believe, it says, <clears throat> where, when, where, the tra- where trans, oh, sorry, when the wicked, when the wicked are multiplied, transgression increases. That's what the Bible says. The more wicked people are around, the more transgression, the more sin. The more people that cuss in one group, the more curse words are going to be said. More people that love filthy, trashy music, more filthy, trashy music is going to be played. More people that love gossip, more stories of gossip are going to be told. That's, the, that's, that's, that's just how it works. And I'm preaching and I'm trying to, I'm trying to warn you right now of, of unhealthy friend groups and unhealthy cliques. I understand you're a young person. You're looking for your place. You're looking for your place in your school. You're looking for, you're, you're looking for your group. You're looking for people to text. You're looking to people to hang out with on Friday and Saturday. You're looking, to, you're looking at people that are uh, looking, looking for popularity. You're looking to develop your reputation. You're, you're looking to, to, to elevate yourself. But at the expense of sin, it's certainly not worth it. And I understand, listen, there, there are some of you who still, whose hearts are still tender to the conviction of the Holy Ghost. But every time, every time you hang out with that friend group, you leave feeling disgusting. You leave feeling convicted. Every time you leave hanging out with those group of people that curse and that cuss and play that music, every time you leave, you feel bad because you know that God is calling you to something better than this. God's calling you to something higher than this. How, how much longer are you going to put up with it? How much longer are you going to hang out with them? How much longer are you going to stick around? Listen to me tonight. God is wanting to do something in this youth group. God is wanting to elevate some people. I know some of you are 15 and 14 and 16 years old, but don't be ignorant to think that the gifts of the Spirit cannot operate in your life. Don't begin to think that you can't come up and do a pulpit like this and preach a full-length sermon and shake this place by the power of the Holy Ghost. I am telling you in this place tonight, it's worth it to leave the friend group. I'm telling you it's worth it to stop texting them and messaging them. I'm telling you it's worth it to say no to them. I've got a God to serve. I've got a God to please. I've got a Bible to live by. I've got a Holy Ghost to adhere to. It's worth it. Believe me, it's worth it. When I was down at Liberal Sinful College in Tennessee, my, my God, everybody was, everybody was going downtown Knoxville. Everybody was going to the Tennessee Volunteers games. Everybody was going to the Tennessee Volunteer basketball games. Everybody had their hangouts. Everybody had their school loaded. My God, I would love to be a part of it. I hated being alone. But I, 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 I knew, even though it was a Bible college, even though it was a Christian university, I know when they were driving down the road, I knew what type of music was going to be played. I knew what type of discussion there was going to be. And I didn't make an effort to be a part of it because I know I've got one aim for my life, and that is to walk the straight and narrow as long as I live. That's to make it to heaven one day and hear God say, Jonah, I've got your mansion built. I see your name written down right here in my book of life. Welcome in good and faithful servant. I'm telling you it's not worth it. I'm telling you it's not worth it. Amen and amen. <clears throat> so the sons of God, there are uh, many different theories as to who these people were. Um, some say angels, some say the descendants of, of Seth who was a righteous son of Adam and Eve. Uh, either way, these were men that knew God. They were the sons of God. And these sons of God married the daughters of man. So as we know, mankind was in spiritual declension and these sons of God could have done something about it. 
These were people that knew God. And at that time, the world needed nothing more than people who knew God. So they were sent by God, I believe, to bring some type of awakening, to bring some type of revival, to bring some type of reviving. But they, as a bad soldier, entangled themselves in the affairs of this life. So we as a generation, I know, are facing immensely high and difficult opposition to bring revival. Facing immensely high uh, distractions and immensely high opposition. This world is racing towards tribulation and it seems as if right now there is not going to be a revival coming to the church to bring in a harvest to make sure that the gospel is preached in the whole world as far as what we're witnessing. But something about this situation brings excitement because the church has been here before. Uh, The church has been in this place before. The church has been looked down upon as it is being looked down upon before. There, There has been younger generations before that were addicted. There has been younger generations before that were very, very hurt and in a lot of pain and and need a whole lot of feeling to come to their heart and to come to their life. And so it brings excitement to me because I know that the Holy Ghost has an answer for us because the Holy Ghost is not looking at a problem that he has not dealt with before. The Holy Ghost is not looking at a generation and saying, at this generation and saying, this bunch is far more lost than the one prior. I don't know what I am going to do with them. But we've got to sanctify ourselves today. We've got to cleanse ourselves today. We've got to rid ourselves of the filthiness of the flesh if we want to see God do wonders in us tomorrow. God said my spirit in Genesis chapter 6, God said my spirit will not always strive with man. These people ignored all of the warning signs and don't be so ignorant to believe right now. Because listen, while, while, you're, while you're under the leadership of your parents and while your parents are keeping you in line, and while you're in a place like this where you're gathered with young people every single Wednesday and even while you go to a Christian school and while you have Christian parents, it's, it's very easy for you not to go crazy. It's very easy for you not to go wild because you've got people that are keeping you in line, hopefully. You've got people that are keeping you in check. Not, I understand it's not everybody, but the majority of people, you've got people in line that are gonna keep you accountable. You've got people in your life that are gonna remind you of the word of God and the expectations that the Bible places upon somebody's life. But I, the problem is when you get older and, and you've got real problems and you're trying to raise your own children, and you've got your own spouse to love, and you've got your own spouse to cherish, and you've got your own spouse to be faithful to, when you're trying to raise your own children and raise them in fear and admonition of the Holy Ghost and of the Word of God, you're gonna need more than what you've got right now. If right now you have a lazy, lackluster, lackadaisical Word of God, and and, and all you rely on is a weekly checkup with Jesus to make sure that, that you're hopefully gonna make it to heaven one day, if, if, if all you're relying on is a once a year at youth conference or a once a year at Barberville Pentecostal youth camp powerhouse encounter with God to, to give you a little bit of a spiritual high so that you can kind of keep on the straight and narrow and keep on walking, you're going to need more than that. You're going to need more than that. You're going to need an actual prayer life. You're going to need how to actually learn how to fast. You're going to learn, have to learn how to get down on your knees when everybody else is asleep. Your wife is asleep. Your husband's asleep. Your children are in bed. It's Monday.
night and you're dealing with all hell in the world and church isn't until Sunday morning. You've got a whole week to make it. You're going to have to learn how to pray. You're going to have to learn how to get a hold of God. You're going to have to learn how to seek the face of God. I'm telling you the truth. You are developing the habits in your life right now that you're going to hold on to for the rest of your life. And I'm trying to warn you, develop the right ones now. Develop the godly ones now. They're going to make your life a whole lot easier. A whole lot easier. Amen. So the saddest story anybody could ever tell is that they used to live for it. I, I remember it was a girl that I had attended a church camp in, well, I won't say where, but it, it was just another spirit-filled church. It was a fun church camp, but I remember there was a youth leader there, and I kept following her on social media. I don't know how old she is. She's probably 30 maybe, but she... Uh, she was very involved, you could tell, praying with the people in the altar, encouraging the people. You could tell how passionate she was about Jesus. Well, I didn't know the state of her salvation, of course. I thought that she was still saved, but I had seen that she had released a statement about why she's not serving the Lord anymore. It's, not, it's none of my business. I don't br bring that up. I, I merely bring that up as an example. And I know the stories that somebody like Tad or somebody like Paul Hafer or somebody that's been around this place for a long time, how many people have come up in this youth ministry that were so passionate about Jesus, so passionate about the word of God. They wanted their, the rest of their life to revolve around the ministry. They wanted the rest of their life to revolve around the church. All of their friends, all of their family were sold out for Jesus, yet they're not here anymore. A move of God that I hear of often is the move of God that occurred in London, Kentucky. I don't know how long ago it was, but I do know of many people that attended that meeting. And one of the best things, one of the best things that they describe is how everybody was in the presence of God that night. There was nobody in the back row with their arms crossed or arms folded, standing by and watching what was happening. There was nobody out in the lobby sipping on coffee or texting on their phone or talking to somebody. Everybody was in the altar. Everybody, uh, all, almost everybody was slain out in the spirit. Everybody was full of the Holy Ghost. Everybody was praying in the spirit. Everybody was worshiping God. There wasn't anybody that was missing out that night. And yet I asked the people that, that attended that meeting, how many people from our church were there? And they said some 80 or 90 people. And then I asked how many people still live for Jesus, and they say maybe five, maybe six, maybe seven. And I'm telling you, that's not an encounter maybe like we've seen. I believe that there are people in this place tonight that have never seen anything like that in their life. I, I believe that it was such a powerful encounter and such a move of the Spirit of God, it would, it would blow our imagination if we saw it tonight. But they're not living for Jesus anymore. They're not living for Jesus anymore. Paul said, oh foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? He said, you started out in the spirit and yet now you're trying to finish your walk in the flesh. These people that, that used to be so passionate about Jesus, these people that used to give their whole heart to Jesus, you begin in the spirit. When you get saved, the spirit of God enters your heart. When the, when the Holy Ghost fills you with evidence of speaking in tongues, the Holy Ghost fills you up and you begin to run over. You begin this walk in the spirit. And the people that begin this walk in the spirit but eventually backslide 
backslide and eventually fall away at some point in their life and some point of their walk. They lost discipline. They lost determination and they tried to walk the straight and narrow, walking it in the flesh. But you cannot walk the straight and narrow while walking in the flesh. If you began in the spirit, you're going to finish in the spirit. Jesus said, he who endures to the end, the same shall be saved. If you're going to endure to the end, it's going to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. There cannot be a day, not two days, not a week, not a month where you trying to make it in the flesh. If you're going to make it, you're going to have to make it in the Holy Spirit. So I ask you, why do you guys let services go by? Sitting there in your seat, you are not yearning. You are not asking for more of the Holy Ghost. Sitting right there in your seat, I'm asking for participation. I'm asking for hands raised. I'm asking you to pray for people in the altar because that's how we know that you are trying to make it in the Holy Spirit. Is there anybody that understands you cannot make it unless you make it by the hand of the Holy Ghost? You cannot make it unless you make it by the hand of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Spirit of God will not always strive with a man. Bible says in Hosea chapter 4, I believe, he said Ephraim has given himself over to idolatry. Leave him alone. Ephraim was a tribe of Israel. He was the son of Joseph. <clears throat> I understand in this place tonight, I believe the Holy Ghost is convicting people, not just in this service. I believe throughout your day, I believe the Holy Ghost is convicting you of something in your life that's keeping you from God. And you may think that that's going to last your whole entire lifetime, but that's not according to Scripture. That's not according to Scripture. We see from that verse, the Holy Ghost is not always going to strive with a man. By mercy and by grace of God, the Holy Ghost is willing to convict you, willing to speak to you, willing to use other people and use messages and sermons and songs and services to try and reach you. But eventually you're going to have to yield or the Holy Ghost is going to yield you over to sin. That's exactly what the Bible says. And that's a warning to somebody tonight. <clears throat> Noah was a man who had a heart for God. Let's talk about Noah now. He was a descendant of great men. He, of great men. he was the great-grandson of Enoch. Enoch was the man who walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Enoch never died. He was just taken up to heaven like Elijah. His grandfather was Methuselah. Methuselah lived to be 969 years old. He was to the oldest man who ever lived. Well, Enoch really was the oldest man who ever lived, and then Elijah, because they never died. But Methuselah, Methuselah was the oldest man who ever lived and yet still died. <clears throat> and so Noah, Noah being, and his father was Lamech, sorry. And Lamech was a, was a man who we believe to know God. So Noah, being a descendant of these great men of God, knew that he could do something about what was going on in that world, in the world back then. And I believe Noah would walk, long before God ever commissioned uh, Noah to build that ark, long before God ever asked him to, to do such a thing, I believe Noah, knowing God, I believe Noah would walk around and, and tell people that were close to him and tell people that he saw every single day. He would say, there, 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 there is a God who you guys are rebelling against you. There is a God who you guys are not worshiping and that God is not pleased with you. This God created the heavens. This God created the earth. This God created mankind. He created the fowl of the air. He created the beast of the field. And he would, 
I believe he would preach to these people. Because based off of Noah's willingness to obey God whenever he asked him to build the ark, I believe Noah already had a heart to see God move. And so Noah knew, looking at the situation, that he could do something about it. I'm here to tell you guys tonight, you can do something about the situation you're dealing with. And I, and, I, and I don't say that because I believe that you guys are the wisest and the smartest. I know you guys are merely young people. But I believe that because you guys are people who have the Holy Ghost living down deep in your heart. And, and I, listen, I believe that is, it is an offense to the Holy Ghost and it is ignorant to have the Holy Ghost living down deep inside of you and look at somebody that's not saved or look at your family situation, they're not saved, or look at somebody who's sick and needs prayer. I believe that it's an offense of the Holy Ghost to speak in tongues, to shout in an altar, and, and, and look, at some, look at a situation. Nothing else can help it. Nothing else can make it better. Only the Holy Ghost can make it better, and you have the Holy Ghost down deep inside of you. You can do something about it. Amen. I'm, I've got to go on. It's, I don't know what I'm going to do. I thought I'd had more time, I guess. Amen. Second Chronicles 16.9, it says, God's eyes search and look to and fro throughout the whole entire earth, seeking to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Psalm 14.2 says, the Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand who seek after God. Psalm 24.6 says, such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of God. Zephaniah 2.3 says, Seek God, all you humble of the Lord who do his commands. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you may be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. We, 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 I don't believe we hardly ever understand how hard it was a job for Noah to build that ark. Noah was 500 years old whenever he was commissioned by God to build such a thing. And if you've ever seen the ark encounter in Williamstown, you'll understand uh, that that is quite a job for Noah, and the small amount of help that he received. That's quite the job to be able to do that. But he had to have the favor of the Lord. Now, why in the world did God favor Noah above everybody else? Because God, doesn't, God, God does not love anybody more. God does not love anybody. God loves everybody the same. God does not show partiality. God does not look at appearance. I'm sure that there, are, there were men at that time who were better builders than Noah, I'm, I'm sure that there were men at that time who had more friends and could probably get more help than Noah could. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that there were men at that time who had more strength uh, and knowledge at that time than Noah did. But God looked down at Noah and he said, this is the man that I'm going to favor. This is the man that I'm going to save. Because listen, it wasn't, it wasn't the boat that saved Noah. It was only going to be Noah and his, the rest of his family that were going to be saved from the wrath of God. But it wasn't the boat that saved Noah. It was the favor of God. The boat was merely the act of obedience. That was, that was the work. That's why the Bible says faith without works is dead. It was the favor. And in other translations, the Bible says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But how does one find favor and grace in the eyes of the Lord? They do it by faith. And not, not, by, not by merely belief, but by faith. Because when you believe, when, to believe in God is... It's not saying much. There's plenty of people who believe in God. But that's why the Bible says, that's why the Bible says, if you have faith, you've got to have works. A man says he has faith, but there is no works. He's lying. There has to be faith. There has to be an act of faithfulness. There has to be a walk of faithfulness. That's how you obtain favor from God. 
That's what I'm trying to stir you guys to do tonight. I'm trying to stir you guys to find favor in the eyes of the Lord but you can only do it by being faithful to God. This is not a double-minded man that we're dealing with tonight. Noah was not a double-minded man. God knew that if, if, if I'm gonna have to ask somebody to do such a job uh, with, with such a small amount of help, I'm gonna have to have somebody that's so single-minded, so set on me, and so set on what I told him to do. I can't have somebody that's double-minded. I can't have somebody that wakes up one morning ready to go, ready to build the boat, ready to do the work, then wake up the next morning all full of worry, all full of doubt. This is not a double-minded man that we're dealing with tonight. Double-minded men don't get favor from God. Double-minded men do not get blessed by God. And there are double-minded people here. Double-minded people, you got two wills. You've got two desires. You're trying to walk the straight and narrow. You're trying to walk two different paths at once. You've got two sets of friends. You've got two kinds of music. You've got two kinds of everything. You've got to make up your mind because I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I say all that to say there, God's will for some of you guys is so powerful. It's so great. It's so awesome. It's beyond your imagination. It's so much greater than you could ever hope or dream. But you have to have a single mind if God, if, if it's going to be accomplished. You've got to have one mind, one desire. If Noah was double-minded, he would have woke up one day, got some work done, but then the next day, all the people who are mocking him, all the people that were making a spectacle out of him would have got him to quit. Every, every single day would be different. Every single week would be different. That might be, the state of, that might be the state for some people in this place tonight. Every single day for you is different as far as your relationship with God. One day, you're ready to go. One day, you're praying. One day, you're reading the Bible. But the next day, worry and doubt takes over. Laziness takes over. We need to be singular-minded. We need to be singular-minded. If, if we want to do something unforgettable, listen, I, I, I hear the enemy is lying to this youth ministry right now, and he's, he, he is saying that our best days are behind us. The best moves of God are behind us. The enemy is trying to lie to us right now and tell us that we have nothing to look forward to. We have nothing to hope for. The enemy is trying to lie to us and tell us that every single Wednesday it's going to be the same thing over and over and over again. But you guys can do something about it. There is a work that God wants you guys to accomplish while you are a member of this ministry and while you are coming into this sanctuary every night. But you've got to come in here with one mindset. You've got to come in here with one desire. You've got to live your life with one goal in mind. And that is to do the work of God all the days of your life, just like Noah. That's the person that God can favor. That's the person that God can show grace. That's the person that God can work with, is the man who is faithful to him. Amen. Let's all stand. Thanks for listening. If you were blessed or encouraged, go ahead and subscribe to the Impact Podcast and share it with a friend to bless them too. Connect with us on Instagram at ImpactYM. And remember, you can have as much of God as you want.